0: Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Jeff Fenster, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast,
1: where we are challenging six figure earners to become seven figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. We had the incredible pleasure of bringing on franchise expert and owner of Everbowl, Jeff Fenster, to the show today. Jeff is the definition of serial entrepreneur, starting and successfully launching over a half dozen companies and most recently building the empire that is Everbowl, a healthy fast food acai bowl. In this episode, Jeff explains to us his simple method of building from the ground up and why he believes stacking wins is the easiest way to tackle your gigantic goal. We also get to hear about how he has created vertical integration into his, into his companies and how others can do it in their businesses as well. In the giving section of the show, you will hear Jeff's passion for helping others. He truly is just a great human and devotes a lot of his time to supporting other entrepreneurs. But I will say some of his favorite moments of giving come from helping a child create an experience which he truly believes is the best way to give. And I will let you listen to the show to find out how special it was for him. So with that, let's not waste any more time and jump into the show where you can hear from the startup master himself, Jeff Fenster. All right, I'm excited to welcome today's
0: guest, Jeff Fenster. Thank you so much for being on here, man. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure to meet you in person a couple months ago, and thank you for the opportunity to come on your show. Um, I love the concept of your show, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I'm
1: excited, dude. I listened to you speak uh, in, in San Diego at the beginning of this year, and uh, you spoke to a mastermind, and, and you just got up on stage and just delivered pure value for, I don't know, it was like 75 minutes. And I was like, oh my God, that is a guy I want on my podcast. Because there was no fluff, there was nothing else. And it was all about just like being an entrepreneur before entrepreneurship was even cool. You know, you you had that that grit and tenacity coming out of of when you grew up, not just, oh, I saw somebody drive a Lamborghini and I want to go drive a Lamborghini as well. You just naturally are gifted at scaling businesses and starting them off. So I'd love to just hear how you uh, found that gift, because I believe you talk a lot about it, like your gift is startups and getting companies off the ground. And Steve's going to dive deep into it, but I'd love to just hear how you originally
0: found where you uh, started being good at that. Well, I, I, I think it was just, it was a lot of learning from learnings, right? And, and micro goals and stepping upon steps upon steps and just getting better. It was actually a weakness at first, which is I couldn't see myself doing anything for the rest of my life. i would get really excited about stuff you know like hey i'm really into you name it and then three weeks a month three months a year i kind of phased out i was like interested in something else and you know back in the 90s and early 2000s it was more like you have add or adhd and when it comes to career choice let, let alone your inability to find a career or something you could do for the rest of your life and so um Well, that was a weakness back then. And, you know, my parents were struggling with it. My dad was a doctor. My mom was a teacher. I went to law school to be a sports agent. Like I had a path, but the idea of doing one thing forever just frightened the shit out of me. And so ultimately, I got thrusted into entrepreneurship or starting my own company because I couldn't work for someone else, even though I was successful for six months. And by doing that, I think from there, it was like I started to realize that what I'm actually really passionate about isn't the what I do for the rest of my life. It's the, creation from us sitting here talking and coming up with some new concept or new idea and turning it into something and scaling it. And then once we're there, and now it's just strictly optimization, I lose interest. And I want to talk about the next butterfly that flew by and how we can turn that into something. And so I think identifying that that's actually what I'm passionate about was step one. And then from there, figuring out how, how I'm good at it and why I'm good at it Was kind of just building off of that and realizing that I'm really good because I have a what I call my success formula but I have a five five core values that I use and I interject into every decision I make and I'm really good in the chaos I'm really good without walls and structure and framework blank piece of paper let's figure this out use relationship capital use innovation use creativity don't be afraid to fail take immediate decisive action micro goals Kaizen change ready, pivot, be remarkable, like all these elements of it, I'm really good there. But when it's like now we've created this thing and we're Facebook and we have to figure out how to optimize to get half a percent better but half a percent could be tens and tens of millions of dollars, I'm not really the best fit for that because I don't have OCD when it comes to like numbers and organization and data. I'm not great with technology in the sense of being able to extrapolate data and algorithms and you know all the different business tactics that mid-size and large-size businesses have to focus on and so you know i just really like startups i like the i like early stage companies dude that is a perfect layup for me
2: because i want to hear maybe a bit of your framework or your strategy along the lines of like cool we have an idea idea is like on day one what does the next set of days weeks years look like to go from you know, idea to not only creation, but like taking yourself out of the business
0: itself so that you have like the team working it for you. So, good question. My, my personal like lens that I will use or my filter is at first I have to make sure that it's a big enough mountain. Um, I want to understand what the opportunity is. So, I take a step back and I go, okay, are we hiking Mount Everest or are we hiking the molehill behind my house? Because I don't want to put in all the work to hike the molehill behind my house. I want to go after Mount Everest, even though it's intimidating, it's scary, and I have no idea how the hell we're going to get up there. But once we've identified that the opportunity or I've identified that the opportunity is big enough to to be worth the investment of effort, energy, and time, then it's like, okay, now forget that you're hiking Mount Everest and pretend you're hiking the molehill behind your house. And so I set out what I'll call my, my micro goals or my win stacking recipe and I say, how do I win today? What do i need to do today to get me to tomorrow etc in order to do that i have to know where i'm going so example if we take EverBowl, i want to start a restaurant serving acai bowls and superfood bowls i'm not a chef um, i make these in my kitchen but that doesn't mean i actually know how to do it i don't know how to buy it i don't know where to buy it to do it in opera you know restaurants i don't even know what first step is to open a restaurant well for me it was very simple it was like i want to dominate and be the mcdonald's of quick serve restaurants that sell superfoods there's my mount everest Okay, in order to do that, I have to open one restaurant, right? I shrunk it from McDonald's to one, right? So the largest to the smallest, but that's what I immediately do. So I went from McDonald's to know that, okay, I could be huge because McDonald's proved that restaurants can be big and there's a big opportunity if I'm successful. Now, what do I need to do to open one restaurant? Well, okay. So that was, that was now my next, that was my molehill, right? So um, just to kind of go back to that analogy. And then from there, it was laying out the foundation of what steps have to happen to get there. So while a lot of other people get nervous or anxious, I just really boil things down to what do I need to do today? Well, today, why don't I reach out to a friend of mine or someone I know who's opened a restaurant and find out what those action items are. Seems there's something I can do today, right? Find one friend or one human who can introduce me to someone who owns a restaurant. We all know somebody. So I did. And I found a guy uh, through a friend of mine who actually owned a smoothie shop. They didn't really sell acai eagles at the time, but they sold juices and smoothies. His name was Kyle. So I made a connection to the guy, Kyle, and I set up a call with him cool. Today's done, right? Like I'm mission accomplished. I did a little more that day, but this is the steps, right? Then it was like, okay, what do I want to, day two, let's write the list of questions I need to ask Kyle. What, what, you know, regulations are required? What licenses do I need? What is step one? How did you open your restaurant? Like basically I did an interview, kind of like what you're doing with me with Kyle. And I tried to say, what are the questions that I need to answer? I think I need to answer. And then from there, once I had those answers, now I had a whole bunch of different small little you know, molehills to go climb. Okay. I need to, I need to set a health plans for the health department. I need a design. I need a name. I need a menu. Um, I need to figure out if I want to do smaller, bigs, you know, order at the counter or to sit down dining. And so it was very simple. Like the, the, what I do next was kind of laid out for me because I set these smaller goals that are actionable and obtainable for me. Right. And I don't have to be brilliant to figure any of this out. And then it's just one step in front of the other. Boom, 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 boom. And then before you know it, Day 37, it's like, I have health permit plans submitted with the health department. I've set up distribution with the local distributor or Cisco or whomever I'm gonna use. I started curating a menu by looking at other concepts and saying, okay, what do I want? Even though I don't know how to make them yet. um, Oh, I don't know how to make them, so what do I do? Well, That's where people are like, well, I only know how to make this, so this, no, no, no. What do I wanna sell? I wanna sell this. Well, great, there's chefs available. I can reach out to people, I can. So I just bring everything back down to a digestible, easy to win uh, mindset. And it takes these big, audacious things and makes it totally doable for anyone, you know, even someone like myself. Someone like myself, yeah. You're so modest.
2: Um, I want to piggyback on that. And so, like, let's say you hit that day 37 and you're building that momentum and you have, you know, that system that's kind of like uh, unfolding itself and and you're getting clear on this goal and, and the confidence is growing in terms of like its viability and its success. To get to a point where you're at now in the earlier stages, were you talking about giving away equity for partnerships to, to, to help scale? Is it more so something along the lines of just like, nope, what we're going to do is I'm going to like, I assume you're not like in every store every day kind of thing. So talk to me a little bit more about that scalability aspect from that day one and how you were able to like,
0: take bigger leaps as you're climbing Mount Everest. Well, because I'm not a one-trick pony for my career, meaning I'm not starting this company that is going to be with me forever and it's not going to be the only thing I do. I don't need to own 100% of it. I don't want to own 100% of it. I want to bring a team. I'm a team sports guy. So if I'm playing second base on in baseball or I'm the, you know, a right winger in in hockey or you or wide receiver in football, I need an entire team. I need everyone to care about the outcome as much or more than me. So, giving away equity is something I do with my key partners i like obviously investors i like key employees um key suppliers or vendors that i can bring into the fold uh you know that's a great model to help fix your your expenses your costs and and leap over Uh, you know a lot of people want money especially when you're starting you don't have a track record they're like i don't really want to own equity in your idea if i don't know you and whatnot so just pay me fine you know that's cheaper if you don't have the money equity is uh seems cheaper but it actually should be more expensive in the end i mean you know Everbull's grown you know 50 million valuation so equity I gave away day one is worth a whole lot more than if I would have just given you five grand to draw my logo right so you want to be thoughtful and conscious about that like the graffiti guy of Facebook turned down the 40 grand and I think it's worth like 40 million now or some ridiculous number for a, a paint job so as an entrepreneur you need to be conscious of that but it's what you want out of the relationship right so same thing you do with what you're trying to fare with your action I'm just like if I'm talking to you and I want your help on something, but it's a one-time thing and you're just going to help me once and I never really need to do business with you again and I don't want to have a long relationship, I want to pay you. But if I'm like, oh my gosh, I want you know Randy and Steve on my team. They're they're brilliant. They're, they're innovators. They're disruptors. Uh, I don't know what tomorrow's problems are going to be, but I want their minds helping me figure them out. I want to give you equity and I want us to be together in that journey and I need to figure out what's going to be enough to keep you guys engaged. And so as you do that, yes, but I look at equity as, as something to give away and to build your team. It works for me. Once again, if, if you're, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to spend the next 35, 40 years doing it. This is what I want to be known for. This is my legacy. Well, then give away equity at, as infrequently and, and only, you know, when required and try never to give it away because it is your baby. But to how I, to answer the end part of your question about how do I step out of the business Well, like at Everbowl, you know, my partners and their partners, even though I founded the company and did the heavy lifting at the onset, you know, my COO has a lot of equity in the company and he's been with us for a handful of years. He cares as much as I do. He can make a fortune if we're successful. And so when I'm doing project number nine or I'm doing something else, I know that I have team members that care about the outcome as much as I do. And I don't have to worry about it. So it doesn't fall all on my shoulders and keep me stuck in my business. It lets me work on my business and on other businesses. That's so cool. Uh, the way you explain business makes it sound
1: so simple. I'm like, oh, dude, this is just like like business in a box. And we'll get to that in a second on some of your scaling. But um, talking about just, uh, I'll say, like marketing and giving away equity and stuff, you um, Obviously, when you started your entrepreneurship, social media wasn't a big thing and and brand partnerships with uh, influencers wasn't a thing. And as you uh, evolved and so did uh, entrepreneurship, um, influencer marketing became a pretty big thing. And I know you've got some partnerships now with guys like Dan Fleischman and Drew Brees who are helping you expand and grow that faster. Is that something that you take into consideration now when you're starting up companies of like, how do we put this in influencers' hands? Or is that something that comes after step 60, 70, 80. Once you've built the brand and got it under control, and then you go find the people to bring them in.
0: Well, it goes to the beginning of what is Mount Everest, right? So, is it an opportunity that I can leverage my relationship Mm -hmm. capital that I've spent years harvesting and growing and developing? Because, yes, I mean, I used to be in, you know, I went to law school to be a sports agent. I have a lot of celebrity athlete friends. I have a lot of influencer friends, and, you know, we'll call them famous people friends. And, um, not that I'm going to always trade off their names, but it's a concept I talk about in my book and in my course on LinkedIn, which is the bug light concept, which is using a bug light like Drew Brees or Dan Fleischman that that are known by so many and they attract the bugs. And it's it's, it's not a fun word to call everyone bugs, but it attracts audiences and it attracts eyeballs, impressions, and ears. And if I, as an entrepreneur, can leverage that attraction and know that, you know, Drew Brees is going to attract eyeballs. So if I put Drew Brees on something, I'm going to get impressions i'm going to get eyeballs i'm going to get ears like he's going to be speaking at the ifa the international franchise uh conference in the next week he's the, he's the keynote i expect to hear him mention the word everball and we build on that stage um well you know that's free advertising for us but he's invested in the company he cares about the outcome going back to the equity piece so when you think about the opportunity it does that help um if the answer is no, well, then I don't care about those things. If the answer is yes, then of course, that adds more to the reason why this is a hill worth climbing and why I'm in a position now, because I've made key investments in these areas, that, that that's one of my you know accelerators. That's one of the the lightning rods I can inject into the company at the right time to bring more eyeballs, impressions, ears, et cetera, and give us the opportunity to do bigger things. Very cool, dude. I
1: love that. Um, I want to uh, go deeper now into... Um, just how you've been able to stack companies inside of each other, and uh, we call it vertical integration, but you know, you started uh, from a simple example. You're like, hey, I got Everballs, and I need to build all the furniture for all my Everballs. Why don't I just go create a furniture company that scales it, and then you build that up. Walk us through that process of, of how important it is to A, have kind of control of that, but B, how to do vertical integration to get multiple streams of income from one brand that you're putting together.
0: So, vertical integration is phenomenal if you have repeatable problems that can be solved through process. You know, think of it like an assembly line. Um, like, I don't know if you have Costco where you guys are, but you know what Costco is. Do you have Costco in Canada, right? Yep. Okay. So, they have their Kirkland brand. Yeah. Kirkland is a good example of that. Um, McDonald's makes all the toys for the Happy Meals, where McDonald's is giving away free toys with food to kids, right? That's their loss leader to get mom and dad to have their kids say, I want McDonald's and they they get tired of hearing them complain they go buy it. So McDonald's realized like, hey, we're going to buy millions of toys every single year at no profit for us because we're just giving them away inside these Happy Meals. We could find a toy manufacturer all the time to make them or we could just learn how to make them ourselves and reduce our cost. So I like vertical integration as a cost reduction for my main business and an amplifier. As an entrepreneur, like one of my core values as an entrepreneur and one of the things I teach is to always have options, right? That is critical for entrepreneurs. That's why most businesses fail is they run out of options. One of the ways you always have options is with vertical integration because when you vertically integrate components of your business, these new subsidiaries or these new divisions or these new um, sub-companies, they can create bigger opportunities. If I was starting a, a you know, a different concept that was similar to McDonald's, but I needed toys. Now McDonald's may never sell me their toys, but if all of a sudden hamburgers were illegal in the United States and McDonald's looked inside and said, what can we do to make some money? Well, they have a toy manufacturing facility that's pretty large. They could start selling toys. They may never do it, but they could, and that's an option. So for me at Everbowl, like you mentioned, the furniture, the fixtures, the tenant improvements, the the whole restaurant, I did it because I was self-funding my own growth and I wanted to reduce my expense and I wanted to make a capital investment into it knowing that it may never work and it may never make me a dime. I was okay because my goal was to reduce my cost because I was building hundreds of Everables. So as a result of that, that's an offshoot, that's vertically integrated. build was built to build Everables. The byproduct of doing that though is I've learned how to build restaurants. I learned internally, we learned how to scale a construction company. And source all the materials and fabricate what's necessary and adapt to our new growth so without even trying to start a construction company i started one and as a result i now work with shaquille o'neal and build big chickens i work with drew Brees and his stretch zones and we're building third-party companies uh restaurants and retail outlets because we became really good at it without even trying to become really good at it for them had i just been sitting here one day and said i'm gonna start a construction company i might not have been able to do that because it was a different goal right? The opportunity is big, but the competition's big. We were doing it for ourselves. So I was not focused on building a company for profit. I was focusing on building an efficient business for me. So that pivoted. So that vertical integration model gave Everble options where now I can sell it to other companies. Everbles become cheaper and I control my own supply chain. So vertical integration from, from an entrepreneur standpoint, if you're good at starting companies and you like the challenge, I mean, and you have the the, the patience to lear- go through the learnings and the willingness to invest that capital, it's a phenomenal way to, to truly exponentially grow your business. And like Elon Musk did it with SpaceX. They invested in reusable rockets to go to Mars, the moon and space station. Well, spaceships have been around for a long time. NASA did this in the 70s, but he made the capital investment up front and said, I don't want to do what NASA's doing. I want to build reusable so that way we can bring our costs down. And so he, although his goal was to to launch to Mars, he started investing in other parts of that infrastructure and didn't just go buy rockets from a rocket manufacturer. He started his own to make it reusable. And he started to really vertically integrate all the components. And now he has a behemoth called SpaceX.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Side note, the Shack burger is friggin' delicious if you haven't had that yet. Um, But the uh, i guess what i want to ask is like how do you stay organized
0: that's a good question <laughs>
2: uh, or, or who <laughs> um
0: you know I, luckily i have a good team of people that keep most of that organized um i stay organized just because i i go one i go 100 percent in the direction i'm going um i i I don't juggle nine things at once even though it sounds like i do um whatever i'm dealing like i'm doing a podcast with you guys right now and i'm doing a podcast with you guys right now i'm not sitting here trying to figure out how to buy acai and over here how to import wood and you know whatever i'm working on i'm 100 in until i'm until we click off and then i move to the next and i just use my calendar you know my mentor one of my mentors uh taught me to be a student to your calendar and to book everything and i really do i mean it's it's kind of weird but like if you look at my phone it'll say like things like remind my youngest daughter to brush her teeth and it'll it'll be there at you know 7 45 every day just because i'll i just will forget mm-hmm. and i don't want to forget so i put everything in my calendar where my calendar is just giving me reminders all day every day boom, boom 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 send an email like if i talk to you guys i'm like hey you know what uh next week to next week i'll send you guys an introduction to someone i'll put a reminder to send that introduction or if i'm expecting something from you guys i'll put hey check back in with Randy and Steve to see if they have that, you know, so I don't have to remember and I use zero brain power on trying to remember all the stuff and it takes the chance of me forgetting to zero because I don't go anywhere without an iPhone or, you know, my watch. And if you've got the tool, you might as well
2: use it, right? Yeah. So your your, your passion um, and a lot of your business is around health and you through and through from listening to podcasts and uh, chatting with you today, you're an entrepreneur, like through and through, full in your heart. Why is health the most important
0: thing for entrepreneurs? Because if you're not healthy and you're not the best version of you, you can't be successful in business. Um, You just, I mean, you can have short-term success, but I can tell you, I can ask a billionaire, a millionaire, a hundred thousandaire, and someone who's poor. And if they're sick, what they'd pay to be healthy. And the answer is everything I've got. And when we're sick, we can't be good husbands and wives. We can't be good mothers and fathers. We can't be good brothers and sisters. We can't be good friends. We can't be good employers. We can't be good employees. I can't be good in sales. I can't be good on your podcast fight. If I'm feeling bad right now, I won't be the best version of me and I won't have my passion to put in this thing. So I use analogies a lot because it's very, I like to simplify things and make them digestible for myself. In turn, it makes it for everybody else relatable. But I think of it like a car, you know, if you don't put gasoline in your car, and I put some homemade junk in my car. My car is going to break down. If I don't get it, it's oil change. It's going to break down. If I don't take care of the tires, it's going to break down. Well, the same goes for our body. And so the fuel we fuel our bodies with, and how we move them, is so critical. And when you take somebody who feels good and is healthy, they tend to look better. And when they look better, they feel and feel better. They have more confidence. They're they're ready to tackle the day. They have more energy. Give me someone with more energy, and watch how much more they accomplish today and hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard well give someone who's confident and feeling good looking good and give them energy and watch how much more they'll accomplish today and then it's the Kobe Bryant model which is if I outwork you today even by one minute and I outwork you tomorrow by another one minute kaizen in a year that's 365 minutes I've outworked you and you have to try to catch up but you can't if I stay one minute ahead of you and so you start to build a moat between you and your competitors and you and just the marketplace, and you really start to use compounding interest on your results, and it all stems back to, are you getting good sleep, are you having, feeling good, are you eating good, and are you moving your body, and you're not dealing with getting sick all the time, colds, flus, etc., you know, excessively overweight, obesity that is induced by behavior, where, you know, you get winded, and you just don't feel like you're ready to move, and then, it's just true, I mean, human psychology, just don't fight it, but there's a reason why most of our massive influencers, when you look at them, they all look healthy. They feel healthy. You can feel the energy. Um, that's not 100% the case. There's obviously exceptions to every rule. And some people have medical conditions which keep them from appearing healthy, but they might be. And some people look healthy and they're sick. But as a general rule of thumb, you know, um, there's a reason why these things work. And so I look at, I go, I want to go down to the bare bone bottom and, and take care of what we all can. And health is something we all can control for ourselves. It's also the first step of discipline. I mean, there's a reason in the military they teach everyone to make their beds. And the reason they do that is because is they want you to start your day accomplishing one goal. Because if you accomplish your first goal in the morning, you're more likely to accomplish more goals later that day. When you eat something bad and you go, ah, I'm going to start tomorrow. Now, yeah, today's my cheat day. Or, you know, I'm not going to exercise. I'm just going to lounge. Well, that's fine. You can do those things, but it becomes a habit. And so the t- to build good habits and the discipline to say, I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to feel good. You're going to feel good. And when you feel good, you'll look good, you'll perform good. And from there, all the other business elements can come into place, but they really, you'll be fighting too many demons and it's hard enough when you are feeling good and looking good and having energy, uh, it's hard enough to, to to dominate in business. Then if you're also dealing with like, I'm always tired, I have no energy, I feel sick. Um, and you're, you know, having to deal with all that. So that's why I I focus it so much, especially with entrepreneurs, because if you're not doing the, you know, if you're not tying your shoes, how are you going to run the race? Oh, dude, I love that. I love that you're a sports guy using sports analogies. Steve and I are
1: big sports guys, and that's like the easiest way for us to describe anything is like, hey, we'll just relate this to a sport, and then we'll be able to talk forever on that uh, as a relation. So that's that's awesome, dude. I love that. Um, look, we can probably talk business all day, but um, I also know that you're uh, very big into the philanthropic side, and as somebody that you know does business and does uh, a ton of revenue, you also do a ton of good for the world. And that's what we're all about here is spotlighting people that uh, have gone bigger and done really cool things, but also wants to help and support society and give back. And I'd love for you just to to share a little bit of how you as an entrepreneur feel like you're serving back into humanity the best uh, right now and what's inspiring you on the giving side.
0: So the easy answer is obviously through business. Obviously we employ a lot of people, which provides them an opportunity to make for living. Um, but as an individual where i really try to focus in and outside my companies is where i'm good um i think to your point of you know you have to you have to go big to give big uh you have to become you know we it used to be the saying you know help a lot of people have a lot of fun and make a lot of money you can't help people like everyone and you talk to friends if i win the lottery i'm going to give my mom money and friends money. everyone wants to, most people want to get yeah. but you can't give what you don't have so we all have an obligation to Dominate whatever it is we're working on and be the best at it. And hopefully, if it's in business, make a ton of money and then use that money for whatever makes you feel good. And, you know, I'm finally at a position in life where I don't have to eat what I kill every day and I'm financially fine. So, what I've learned, and it's true when you speak to most millionaires out there, is money doesn't actually make you happy. It makes you safe. It gives you security to begin and then chase what makes you happy. And um, I think that there's a huge philanthropic component to a lot of us and I can tell you what fills my cup up the most these days is is helping others and having them come back to me and tell me how amazing their, their journey has been and being part of that story as not the lead star uh, character, but someone who helps and watches and says, hey, Jeff, thank you so much. That introduction changed my business or Jeff, thank you. I, I watched your course on LinkedIn. It was free and that information made me better or Jeff can I take tw- you know 20 minutes for a phone call and can I tell you the challenge I'm dealing with and I give them some help and it solves a serious problem for them and I get to watch that company shine it fills my cup up. I mean I'm not a doctor obviously if I was doing heart surgery I'd feel better but I, I don't have those skills so I have to lean in where I'm good and where I can add value and where I can add value is hopefully improve someone's business and make them more money in which case hey for a lot of people that that's a huge win. So. I spend a lot of time as a, as a mentor with, uh, I live in San Diego, so San Diego State's Lab and School of Entrepreneurship. I speak to their class. I, I inherit students each semester where um, I'm their dedicated mentor. I work with them on the companies that they're working on. I make myself available to the, all the students, anyone who wants to reach out to me. I don't charge them or anything. It's not like a moneymaker for me. It's just helping them set the right habits early in life and hopefully tackle the world. And hopefully they all become way bigger than me and I get <laughs> to... To hang out on their yachts when they're when they're all successful and all that's fun stuff. Um, so that is what I like to do with my time, and I think my time is my most valuable asset.
1: i was gonna say just, a, just to money, just a touch on that, dude. Like, there's one thing that I've learned, and that it's like um, ph- philanthropy is easy to just write checks and and give money away. We've seen that from the top billionaires in the world that have donated millions and millions of dollars, but to be able to give your time away and serve and help. Um, it's just something special once you've got to that point where you don't need to, like you could check out on a boat and just answer the phone when it rings and, and be totally fine but the fact that you're out there serving entrepreneurs trying to create and stimulate more entrepreneurs to do good that is something that we recognize inside of go bait to give because like the more people that we can help add giving opponents into their companies the more we can actually start seeing a, a ripple effect of the efforts that i'm putting out And i'm sure you see that through uh the mentorship you do through business of hey if i can help these few people go make more money and they can employ more people and they can help more stuff you're actually helping create more uh entrepreneurs but successful people to be able to get out of i don't want to call it poverty but the middle class where like you said if you don't have it you can't give it so even in that essence it might not sound uh like hey i i directly give back but by helping people build up themselves so they can go serve and do what you're doing it has
0: a direct impact so i absolutely love that well and not to say there's anything wrong with writing a check because i do write checks to lots of organizations but i won't lie to you i never really feel that good about it um not i mean this is a total general statement but a lot of organizations most of the money doesn't actually go to the people supposed to help there's a lot of extra expenses when you run these organizations doesn't mean their intentions aren't good it just is the reality of charities are usually run by people and there's expenses to have them work there and money has to go to a lot of other hands before it ends up going to the cause Um, and there's a lot of big bureaucratic stuff involved in bigger charities so if I really want to impact and have real impact I like doing it one-to-one if I can impact you I'd almost rather just write a check to a to a family in need than to an organization that's going to feed families in need. Because again, for me personally, I want to actually feel the impact and see the impact. There's 8 billion people on the planet. We're never getting rid of all the problems. No one has enough money to solve them, um, even though we all think we do. And the truth is you can call Bill Gates right now. It's way easier to get that man to write a check than to give you 20 minutes. He'd pay millions of dollars before he gave you 20 minutes because time is the most precious asset we all have and so the true to me the true charitable side is when someone does donate their time to come on and be a part of whatever the whatever the issue is so i like that but there is a money side because as we all know money money is required um and you know one of the other things that that we do which again is about experiences because outside of money and outside of time i think experiences for people are the next big thing those are things we all remember forever and so you know, like with Everbowl, there's, I, we mentioned this, you know, pre-recording, but we do a lot with Rady's, children, uh, Rady's Children's Hospital here in San Diego, um, and they deal with, the great thing about Rady is they turn down no kids. It's, it's every kid who has cancer or illnesses can come and be taken care of. And yes, we, we, we do write them big checks, but we do it in a fun experiential way where we bring those patients into the store. And so we have, you know, five or six patients with different conditions. They come in, they get to customize and make their own bowl. Like the Travis Bowl was one of them, and he made his favorite favorite bowl. We sell that bowl, and anyone who buys it, it all goes to Rady Children's Hospital. He gets to come in and be the chef for the day and have that experience instead of being a you know a kid dealing with these terrible conditions. It's hard enough as an adult to deal with it, but I can't imagine a kid right. So to take their mind off of the fact that they they are unlucky and what they're dealing with, and you know they're fighting for their life, is to bring them into this experience that. You know they wouldn't get like the make-a-wish foundation is phenomenal michael jordan just made a 10 million dollar donation to it and i was i was stoked because again i think that that's an organization that's providing those experiences for these kids and it's not always kids but for uh people who are or really having these uh, un- unfortunate you know hands in life and so i think that that's the next phase and then the last one is just with our business um we make these acai seed bracelets we hire locals in brazil where we import acai from and we went down there and there's, that's an extremely impoverished country. And so, uh, the way we figured we could give back was we started working with local families who hand make our jewelry. We pay them directly. And we're sending their kids to school now and giving them an opportunity to come out of that poverty in Brazil in these, you know, ghettos, if you will. Um, and at the same time, bring their culture to, to the United States since we're importing that acai and provide jewelry to, to Americans and Canadians. And, um, in turn, you know, return that back to them. So, Those are the areas that I spend most of my time, but I think what I love the most about your guys' show is that you're not just talking about philanthropy, because philanthropy's fine. You know, I donate money to the, you know, V Foundation and the Susan G. Komen Cancer Foundation, and if any one of my friends is doing any walk for any cause, I'm a contributor. Those are fine, but I think that the idea and what hopefully people get from your show is to go big first, because you can't give what you don't have, period. So, You have an obligation to be the best version of you and maximize your own potential and then from there if you choose to give which we all hope everyone does you can do it in a big meaningful way and not i wrote a thousand dollar check it actually impacted nobody and then what reach baby (laughs) that was awesome i love that idea of bringing the kids
2: into like make their favorite bowl and then selling that that is just I didn't know that until like you and I chatted beforehand and and that's incredible. I do want to touch on experience specifically within your team. I think I agree. Experience is everything, whether it's in business and you're walking through somewhere, retail, uh, food investment, whatever that might be, people remember it, it's that emotional connection to it. Is there, or I guess, what do you do in your business? as a maybe management team that gets them to buy into like the giving aspect and does that contribute to more passion um,
0: or more output in the business? Um, It's a great question. So the giving aspect isn't preached by me or anyone. Um, Our culture is built off making friends and having fun and I think it is part of the making friends and having fun component which is by making friends, we're, we're going to do our best to do what's good for everyone around us anyway. Um, and we have a philosophy of say yes. It's a pretty simple philosophy. So when organizations hit us up, we do our best to say yes. I mean, you know, it doesn't mean we can give a million dollars to every organization. Cause again, I'd be broke and we'd be out of business, but we want to say yes in the way we can, whether it's donating food, donating our time, setting up a table, giving coupons, letting them host an event at our stores. Um, you know, at Everbowl is what I'm referencing here I believe you asked in in our business, Um, but each business is different, right? So the other thing is we take on interns. Like if um, people want to learn how to do a skill and they don't have the, they can't break into the industry or they're trying to, and they can't get a job. Well, we're happy to have you come on in and you can gain experience with us. We get some, it's a win-win It's symbiotic, right? We get free help and you get free education and you get a resume builder and hopefully we get a good work product from you. And who knows what that can stem into. So there's always ways to figure out how to give. Um and what we can do to give. And I think just that culture here at, at everyone and at Weebill, the make friends and have fun culture, keeps it light, keeps it forthcoming, and it becomes addictive. I mean, everyone wants to bring that happy, you know, positivity to the organization because that's what we have. And if you're not, that doesn't fit you, you wouldn't have taken the job anyway. Like It just wouldn't mm-hmm. have been a good fit from the get-go. So we attract, and you attract what you, what you live, and that's why it's important to understand your core values and live them. Because truly, that's what you attract in the world. And so, if you're not getting what you want, I would suggest everyone do an inventory of your core values and how you're living, because what you're putting out into the world is what you will receive. Hey, man, dude. And
2: like attracts like. Like attracts like. One of my favorite questions here is there a time where you can just brag on yourself and look back into one of your favorite moments of giving that really just kind of pulls your heartstrings? And uh, it's okay to shed a tear if you want to, but
0: what's one of your favorite moments of giving? Um, it was going back to Rated Children's. It was actually Travis. I mentioned his bowl. Um, I got to know Travis a lot and he's just an incredible, he was an incredible young teenager. He was dealing with a significant condition and when he was able to come in and people were coming in and he was getting to make his bowl for them and kind of be the star of the show and we highlighted him on social media and we made it all about him and his day and we put him in 28 stores, uh, his bowl with his his product and concoction. Cause he had, a, he has aspirations to be an entrepreneur and he had aspirations in the business world. So again, those are the areas I feel like I can add more value. Cause that's my bag. Um, seeing another human being light up like that, like we were damn near in tears, watching him have a ton of fun and have that enjoyment and forget for a few hours what he was dealing with. And fortunately he ended up, or I, you know, he has beaten the illness that, that was, he was dealing with. And, um, he's, He's out there crushing life and we still uh, we still follow him and we're rooting for him and it's just been one of those experiences where I got to, to become a, distra- a positive distraction uh, at a time of need as well as create this thing which like he's seen himself there now. So that lack of confidence that a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs have and sometimes they just need to see it happen or believe it to make it because he saw himself in 28 restaurants. He saw himself as part of an entrepreneurship team and part of the Everble story early on. He has that confidence and i'll go tackle the world in his own way and be the bright light so that was really cool and i guess the second one is a guy named caleb who lost his leg in a shark attack in south africa uh he reached out to me and um you know i've tried to donate time to help him with his businesses because he's dealing with some unfortunate stuff in the world and you know i've never met him in person but the time we get to spend on zooms and phone calls has been it touches me just because i can't imagine um getting attacked by a shark see it when you uh are talking
1: about Travis, my stomach was like in knots and I couldn't imagine just the excitement uh that he brought to the store being able to create his bowl and then just seeing everyone come and be like I want the Travis bowl and him being like yeah let's go like I can just see that and how exciting that would be like I'd be excited if I was the one doing it let alone going through what they've went through and having the opportunity I think that is so special and and so cool so uh kudos to you for for making that a part of your mission and supporting people because it's such a little I was just sharing with you one of our guests um, that's going to air after this is uh, she said that like just spending 10 minutes with uh, somebody in a wheelchair that didn't get a lot of attention was her favorite moment of giving and it's like it doesn't need to be a massive check it doesn't need to be a huge movement something as simple as just bringing somebody in to uh, build a acai bowl and then being like yeah this is your bowl dude let's go sell a bunch of them and donate some money I think is absolutely rad i just love that so we uh we're going to transition now to the final part of our our giving round here some rapid fire quick question on uh some things about giving Are you ready yep uh brag on one charity that you like that wasn't the radius foundation
0: jimmy v foundation why um because jimmy v i'm a sports guy as well um and Jimmy, I'm also afraid of cancer. And that's part of what I started at Evermore for, was to help prevent illness. And I think cancer prevention is where money needs to go. We need to figure out how to cure and prevent cancer. And the Jimmy B Foundation is all about cancer research and finding disruptive cancer treatments. So I'm a big fan of that. Beauty. Hell yeah. What would get you more excited? Donating
2: a $1 million check to a friend's cause or spending a week physically helping others?
0: Spending a week physically helping others. I would much rather donate as we talked about pretty much all episode but um that's what fills my cup up if I can see the if I can see the impact I feel better than just knowing I did something um checking boxes it just doesn't fill my cup up the same way it, it doesn't it, I've lost the affinity to it and that's why I try to give more and spend my time and I think to that point the cost of time is just it's more it it I'm, it's time away from my family my kids and stuff I want to do personally so it's my biggest resource. And if I'm going to share it, 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 I'm only doing that because it fills my cup. And so it's, it's what it is. Beauty. Really. Uh, who inspires you with their giving? Ooh, lots of people. I uh, just mentioned Michael Jordan just gave $10 million from a financial side. I think that, uh, that's really impressive. David Meltzer, one of my good friends and mentors and, um, you know, he's got a huge goal of, of giving and he does a lot in the giving side of the world. And getting to grow up with him and, you know, we've been friends since I was four and he was a teenager, just watching how he's made millions, lost millions, but what he's done with time, energy, and effort to inspire, help others, you know, thats that's been really inspirational for me. Um, Yeah. And if you don't know who that is, go check out,
2: was it the first episode I think he was on? I think it was our first oh, You guys episode. had on the show. Yeah. yeah, we did. Yeah, it was an excellent
1: episode. He <laughs> called himself a philanthro pimp in our episode. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) Uh,
2: When it comes to uh, startups, we'll say, do you think that entrepreneurs should start giving as a line item in their business from day one or after they've seen a little bit of success and have some money in the bank account?
0: After they've seen success and have a little money in the bank account. Um, Why? Because I know it's contrary probably to what most people's answers are, but um, you can't give what you don't have and most businesses fail, and why do most businesses fail? because they run out of money and options. And so I need you to take care of your own business first, because if you go out of business and fail, now someone has to give to help you. And so you need to be. It's kind of like in the airplane when the things pop down. Put your mask on before you help others, because if you pass out, you can't help others. So um, make sure your business is strong. Make sure your financial situation is good if you're going to give financial resources. But once you do, I assure you, be having gone that route you will give more you will give more that way and you'll also be set up to give more in the long run so the world will be a better place if everyone takes care of themselves first and then we all help the ones who can't good answer um in your definition what does it mean for go big to get big it literally means be the best version of you maximize your potential and make as much money as you can and free up your time with uh freedom because you've been so successful so then you can then give that money give that time and give how you believe fills your cup, so you can help as many people in the world as, you, as as possible. Hell
2: yeah! In one word,
0: describe the feeling you get when you give.
1: In one word, describe the feeling that I get when I give. Happiness. Happiness. Great answer, and uh, you answered this question. But I really want you to think about it uh, for the, for the context here. Of do you believe? that money can buy you happiness in this world
0: no why it can buy you security in this world um money again i i I just know a lot of very wealthy people who aren't happy um you know poor people who are happy so you can't buy happiness you can buy experiences that can try to make you happy you can buy toys that can try to make you happy but ultimately what it all boils down to and that's why um you see a lot of very wealthy people dealing dealing with depression and dealing with a lot of uh you know mental health issues and lack of friends because everyone's they feel like everyone's using them and they lose the ability to have real relationships and um they can't find that significant other that inspires them or that task that inspires them and so they feel lost without purpose so i think money gives you options money gives you uh security in the sense that you're not worried about what i'm going to eat or house on my head but it sure, sure doesn't buy you happiness it just maybe makes it easier for you to find happiness But it doesn't get you that very good answer man i love it it's one of my favorite
1: classes just variety of range from everyone has a different take on it so i absolutely loved uh hearing yours and jeff we just loved having you come on the show dude uh it is exactly what i imagined of just spitting a ton of fire about how to build businesses and scale and uh it was so tactical that uh, i know anyone listening to this is going to walk away with some value and if they want to check out everbowl or yourself for more what's the best way for them to uh, see your brands or get exposed
0: to more of what you're doing so they can go to our website everbowl.com they can follow me on social media it's my last name first name fenster jeff um i'm gonna do a little plug because it's coming but um, i'm launching my own podcast show which i'll have to have you guys on it's called the jeff fenster show it'll be live probably in the next six or seven weeks from today so end of march middle half of april um And uh, you can also reach me on LinkedIn or jeff at everwill.com. Anything you're going to do to help, I'm happy to. Beautiful, man. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming in and
1: inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits. And uh, I'm excited just to see what the next ventures take for you and uh, be involved in your circles and how you're helping more people. So thank you so much for doing what you do on this planet. And uh, dude, you're just a great human. And uh, it's just been a great episode to have you on. Thank you, guys. This was awesome. And anything I can do to help, let me know. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember... Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.